Welcome to Goodfellow Podcasts. This episode is kindly funded by the Auckland Faculty of the Royal New Zealand College of General Practitioners. I'm Dr Louise Kugler, a General Practitioner, and today I have the pleasure of talking to Dr Sarah Fleosh about NIPT, Non-Invasive Prenatal Testing, and its use in general practice. Sarah is a Senior Lecturer at the University of Otago in Wellington. She has a background in biomedical science and is a health services researcher whose work is centred around improving access to healthcare and reducing health inequalities. Welcome, Sarah. Sarah, I wonder if we could start by discussing what exactly is meant by NIPT. Oh, thank you. So non-invasive prenatal testing, or NIPT, is a way of examining fetal DNA by taking a sample of blood from a pregnant woman. It is a technique to look for chromosomal aneuploidies, and that is an abnormal number of chromosomes that are present in a cell. It's also referred to as NIPT, where the S stands for screening rather than testing, and this reflects the fact that NIPT is not a diagnostic test. It's also referred to as CFF DNA, which stands for cell-free fetal DNA, which reflects the fact that it's an analysis of the free-floating fragments of DNA that are present in mum's blood. The fetal DNA that is present in mum's blood comes from the placenta, and this is referred to as the fetal fraction. The blood sample is normally taken at around 10 weeks gestation, as this is normally sufficient for analysis. And for the, our purpose today, I'm just going to refer to NIPT. What does NIPT do? It's a screen for trisomies, which occur at chromosome 21, which is other no, otherwise known as Down syndrome, and at chromosome 13, which is otherwise known as Patel syndrome, and at chromosome 18, which is Edwards syndrome. NIPT can also screen for sex chromosome aneuploidies, such as Klinefelter's, which is a result of two or more X chromosomes in males and Turner syndrome, in which a female is partly or completely missing an X chromosome. NIPT doesn't screen for neural tube or ventral wall defects. Thank you, Sarah. So how well does this test perform? NIPT has a really high level of sensitivity for trisomy 21. It sits at around 99% mm. and it's got a positive predictive value. So this is a range that um, is reported in the literature. The lowest I've seen is positive predictive value of 45% up to 98%, which is around 10 times higher than our current combined screening. If we're looking at uh, terms of positive predictive value, which is the probability that the test has actually picked up the condition, if we take the lower end at 45%, it means that there's a one in two chance that the result is correct if it's indicated a high risk result. NIPT also has a much lower false positive rate than current combined screening, which essentially means that there, uh, is, um, there are less invasive procedures. Work that was done a few years ago in Australia has showed that the introduction of NIPT would reduce the number of invasive diagnostic procedures and procedural related fetal losses in high-risk women by 88%. So if NIPT was adopted by all women identified as high-risk in the first trimester combined screening, up to seven additional Down syndrome fetuses could be confirmed. This isn't to say that there are no false positives with NIPT. False positives do occur, and these are largely related to vanishing twin, placental mosaicism, which is where you have a difference in the chromosomes between the fetus and the placenta, and maternal malignancies, where aneuploidy is a common characteristic of cancer cells. 
rate of false positives for NIPT is around 0.1%, mm. and that's compared to 5% for our current combined mm. screening. NIPT also um, does fail as well, and the report for the test failure sits between 1% and 5%. So when we're looking at why NIPT fails, from a technical point of view, NIPT failures are related to there being insufficient sample, hemolysis or failure around amplifying or extracting DNA. And when we talk about NIPT failure or no call result, this is generally related to the fetal fraction, and that's the amount of fetal DNA that's present in the high levels of maternal DNA. The fetal fraction is affected by several things, gestational age, maternal BMI, and the type of aneuploidy. So if we go back to gestational age, the sample is normally taken at 10 weeks gestation because that normally means there's sufficient fetal fraction for the analysis. After 10 weeks gestation, the fetal DNA increases approximately by 0.1% per week. Um, and in terms of maternal BMI, high BMI means that there's a relatively lower fetal fraction. Essentially, there's the same. But what that means is that you get a diluted effect because um, it's thought to be because the maternal adipose cells release the DNA. So basically, you end up with something that's a, a dilution effect. So if we look at a pregnant woman who weighs around 100 kilos, fetal fraction is likely to sit around 4%. And for a lot of tests, it's reportedly at the limit of detection. But this technology is moving really fast, and as it's being refined, this detection rate is likely to change. And there's work that's come through from Australian groups that have showed that it is possible to perform NIPT successfully with women who have a high BMI. And when we're looking at the type of aneuploidy, trisomies 18 and 13 are associated with lower fetal fraction, and work that shows that women who've received a no-call result are actually at high risk of having an affected fetus. Um, the reason why the fetal fraction is thought to be lower is because of a reduction in the placental volume that's associated with these trisomies. So who can have this test, Sarah? Who is it suitable for? Any pregnant woman can have NIPT. Um, it initially came through um, work was done in high-risk populations, but now we're seeing an increasing evidence that actually NIPT is suitable for women of average risk as well. So the thing is with NIPT in New Zealand is that it's currently offered as a user-pay service, user service. So if you're thinking about offering NIPT, you may want to be thinking about whether or not um, there's been a previous history of miscarriages or whether there's been a history of a pregnancy pre previously with an aneuploidy. It could be offered as an option prior to invasive testing with amnio or CVS if a woman's had a high-risk result from current combined screening. But this isn't recommended if there's been a fetal structural anomaly identified on ultrasound. And because there's no upper limit for NIPT screening, if a woman's missed the window for current combined screening, you could offer NIPT then. There are a few several position statements and guidelines that have come through from several professional bodies. And they're sort of forming recommendations around that, saying that if offering an IPT, we need to make sure that women are fully informed. And they the recommend a shared decision modelling for pre-test counselling. NIPT is not generally suitable for multiple gestations, though some companies do offer this service. 
the advice around the screening is that it should be limited to the three trisomies, 21, 18, and 13. And if wished, for sex chromosome aneuploidy, but as the sensitivity and specificity for these conditions is much lower, it may result in a false positive result, which may lead to an unnecessary invasive procedure. Women whose results aren't reported or indeterminate or in, uninterpretable, um, which is sometimes referred to as the no-call result, uh, the advice is that these women should receive further genetic counselling and be offered a comprehensive ultrasound evaluation and diagnostic testing because of the increased risk of aneuploidy. And Sarah, are there any ethical considerations we as GPs should think about and discuss with our patients when offering this form of prenatal testing? There's been a lot of discussion around the ethical considerations for NIPT coming into, into our market here and into our healthcare system. Overall, a lot of the ethical considerations are the same, but there are some which are pertinent to NIPT. NIPT sits in a really highly commercial space, and with that comes advertising as well. So there's ethical considerations around that. And NIPT is advertised as just being a simple blood test. And this conveys a sense of prenatal screening becoming routinized. And as such, I think it can undermine, it has the potential to undermine women's autonomy in their reproductive choice. There are some discussions around how NIPT is thought of as being easy, that the implications of what actually is being undertaken aren't really fully considered. There's also been a discussion that because NIPT may result in a higher uptake than current combined screening, that this may result in an increase in the number of term pregnancy terminations. Um, so we're, this is really early work at the moment, and based on a literature review that was published last year from the UK group, um, looking at eight different countries, they said their results would indicate that actually termination rates haven't changed, but in order to assess the true impact of that, we need some local population-based studies. Currently, because NIPT is only available privately, it represents an issue around equity and access to this new and better performing technology. There's also the consideration that in New Zealand, most samples are sent overseas for analysis. Um, and the woman has, can only consent to having NIPT if they agree to have their samples retained, along with her and the fetus's health information. So I think it's important that when women are counselled for this test that they understand that that's what's happening. So a joint decision has been made between the GP and the patient to order this type of testing. How exactly do we order it and what is the approximate cost in New Zealand currently? Basic screen for NIPT costs around $600. Um, some are around $550, some at $595, but then you also have to think about that you have to pay for packaging and posting as well. Um, in New Zealand at the moment, there are about five different options and the NIPT can be, is offered through SEL, which offer a Lumi screen. There's Sequenza, which offer Maternity 21. Prenatal Peace, which is by BGI, or a Chinese um, company. There's Percept, which is offered through CCGS in Australia, and Natera. So women will need a referral to get to SEL for example, to have the NIPT, and then they'll need to phone and make the appointment and the booking appointment. Um, in terms of in DHBs as well, some women don't have to pay for a consultation appointment. And access really to NIPT in New Zealand is very ad hoc. It's a little bit confusing, and um, it really depends on 
um, an individual provider as well as to how they want to order the, uh, order NIPT. Some some um, providers are dealing directly with the with the testing company, and some are dealing with the sales representatives. And for some women as well, they may need to go, depending on which test they opt for, will need to go to specific um, collection points, or the samples will need to be sent to to the collection points. What are the conditions Sarah can NIPT identify? When I first started working in this space, which was around three years ago, fetal genome screening was a proof of concept, uh, and now it's offered commercially and it costs around $1,000. But it's important to note that um, fetal genome screening hasn't been clinically validated. So essentially, this technology has a scope to cover a, a whole range of different conditions. NIPT is used diagnostically for fetal sex, which is important for the management of pregnancies at the risk of severe genetic disorders, such as Duchenne muscular dystrophy. And there's work in the UK that estimate that by using NIPT, the incidence of invasive testing for such conditions is reduced up to 50% by allowing targeted testing in male-bearing pregnancies. In pregnancies at risk of congenital adrenal hyperplasia, Determining fetal sex can enable early cessation of steroid treatment in male-bearing pregnancies, or as happening in, in several places in the UK, steroid administration could be delayed until the fetal sex is determined through early um, determination and only offered in pregnancies in which the fetus is known to be female. In terms of determining fetal research, as with the fetal sex determination, this is possible because the RHD negative mother doesn't produce any copies of the RHD gene and therefore means that RHD gene identified in the maternal blood originates from the fetus who's inherited the gene from the father. That means that you can target treatments accordingly rather than giving um, prophylactic treatment. There's also work that's come out that shows that women with um, abnormally low as well as abnormally high levels of um, free-floating DNA in the second trimester of pregnancy are at increased risk of developing preeclampsia. So there's a bit of work looking in that space as whether or not we could use that for screening women with um, at risk of adverse obstetric outcomes. I think really the message is that around NIPT, the technology is, is moving really, really fast. And there's great potential for lots of different conditions to be included. But then that also raises the question around how we're able to provide and counsel women appropriately around the implications of such testing. And to conclude, Sarah, today, what are your take-home messages for our listeners? The take-home messages I think I'd like to share would be that NIPT is an advanced screen, but it's not diagnostic. NIPT has a much higher sensitivity and lower false positive rate than current combined screening, in particular for trisomy 21. It doesn't replace the need for an ultrasound evaluation as it doesn't screen for structural defects. In New Zealand, it costs around $600 and most samples are sent overseas for analysis. And also the NIPT is a really very fast moving technology and I think points to the speed in which molecular technologies are entering into our healthcare and how as providers and um, you know, researchers we need to be, to be ready to be able to support women through these decisions. Thank you, Sarah. It's been a pleasure talking to you today. If you're a New Zealand GP and would like to claim 
CPD points for listening to this podcast, fill in the Reflection of Learning form found at goodfellowunit.org. Thank you for listening.